1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Well, on this 26th day of January, we are still in Sanctity of Human Life Month, and we're going to be talking with David Williams. Yeah, and you know David's life and his ministry show his passion for Jesus Christ. And David's known for exhorting the body of Christ to live in unity among our ethnically and culturally diverse members, as well as being a voice for the preborn and ministering the healing grace of Jesus Christ to men and women Broken by Abortion. He's joining us here this morning again. David, good to have you with us on Mornings with Tom and Tobby. How are you, my friend? I am doing well, and it's good to be with you all, and Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. Yes, this is the first time we've talked. That was like so three weeks ago. David, where have you been? I think you've been flying across the country uh, speaking about the benefits of the sanctity of human life. Yeah, yeah, this past week... uh, you know, um, Saturday was the uh, the March for Life. Uh, they did the ma- the national one in Washington D.C., and there were many local ones that were done. And I was at one in Florida at a, a town called Lakeland. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it would have been the uh, 50th year of Roe versus Wade, but we know last summer that was overturned. So you know, it was a time of celebration in a sense, but also uh, abortion hasn't ended. Uh, one is because the human heart is wicked, but the other is, um, you know, abortion has gone to the states and different states have different laws. So abortion is still happening. And so um, it isn't a time really for the church to run a victory lap, so to say. Uh, it's to, for us to continue to do what God has called us to do, and that's to uphold um, the sanctity of life for every human life, beginning with those who uh, are being knit together by God in the womb. And uh, upholding their lives, speaking out for the value of their life, defending their lives, um, and also um, for us to remember as the church that we have a great high calling to hold out the gospel of Jesus Christ, because ultimately it's God who changes the human heart. It's God who causes us to be reconciled to Him, um, to know His forgiveness, to understand what human life is, because He's the creator of it, and to value it the way he's called for us to value it. So, um, yeah, there's a a lot that's been going on in our landscape, but I think the call of the church um, remains what the call of the church has always been, to uphold the sanctity of life and to proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which is ever needed in the days in which we live in. Mm, Thank you so much. Absolutely right. Talking with David Williams. And here's a question now as we have... um, 
Roe versus Wade has been um, taken down as far as a, a right um, from the Supreme Court throughout the nation, and now it goes to the states. And so there's still a fight there. But the fight seems to now be, since the, politically there's been progress, but now it's in the hearts of people, right? And then their unique choices in their unique states. How do we have these conversations with those who may think very differently and have a different worldview than us? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, we have to remember, especially as Christians, um, that people who think different from us, whether on abortion or any other issue, ultimately that they're not the enemy, that we need to realize first and foremost, this isn't a political fight. It's really a spiritual fight. It's, uh, you know, and it's it's the, the, the children of God on one side, you got the, you know, those who don't know God and they've been blinded by the enemy and they've been taken captive to do his will. And so we enter into these conversations, I think, humbly with humility, um, recognizing, you know, you all know my story. So at one time I was uh, one who was complicit in the death of my, my first child. And um, what really changed me wasn't the fact that there was some, somebody argued me into being, you know, pro-life and showed me the benefits of it. What really changed me was when Jesus Christ captured my heart, began to transform my life. See, I think what we forget is people's fundamental problem isn't the way they see abortion. Um, people's fundamental problem is for me, they're, they're separated from God. They don't know God. They, they see life through a different lens, and the lens they see it through is one that's, that's darkened. They're blind. And what they need most desperately is to be set free by God so their eyes can be open and they can see God for who he rightly is. They can see life for how God created life. And so we enter in these conversations gently, not trying to win an argument on uh, a specific cultural issue, but we're trying to be winsome because we know what everybody ultimately needs is Jesus, the source of life, the creator of life, the giver of life. And once people come to know him, he begins to transform people's lives. And as they dive in his word, he's the one who begins to really renew their minds so that they are living in a way that is pleasing to the one who has, you know, done so many great things to save them and to make them his own, that they could be his children. So I think we need to step into it with a posture like that, not being argumentative on the single issue, but knowing that the, the, the main issue that we need to be taking to people, and which is the only answer, is Jesus. So, so I, you know, with humility, with wisdom, being led by the Spirit, understanding that, um, you know, they're, they're not my opponent. Um, and they need the same one that, that, that I need. They need Jesus. So, God, how do, how do you lead this conversation ultimately to your son? So that's, that's what I would say, Tommy. Okay, thank you. Well, David, you're absolutely right in that regard. Uh, we seem to look at this only as a political issue or an argument to be won, but the issue is deeper than that. It is a sin issue. It is an issue of darkness versus light. And you said it, my friend. We all need Jesus. 
Hey, David, um, you know, um, backstage, uh, we were just chatting about uh, abortion and and its impact it's had here on our culture and around the world. And it is a difficult choice uh, to walk through for a woman and a man. But you had shared something that a pastor told you about as far as there's something even more grave than than the issue of abortion in our country. Yeah, you know, a few years back, I was... uh at a at a small little training and there was a pastor who was standing before some pregnancy center workers and he said this statement and at first i kind of cringed when he said it but as i i thought about it it was like that's so true he said to them that there is something worse than a woman having an abortion it's not the worst thing that could happen to her he was like the worst thing that could happen to her is that she would die without jesus christ he's like that's the worst thing that would happen to her Having an abortion is traumatic. It would bring pain and, you know, emotional suffering and spiritual suffering to her. But dying without Christ would leave her eternally separated from God. And so he was like, ultimately, as we minister to these women, our ultimate goal is to share with them the gospel, because that changes absolutely everything that brings life. And I began to think about that in my own situation. It was like the worst thing for me wasn't the abortion that happened to me at 19. Had I, had I chosen, even if I think back, had I chosen birth for my child at 19 but never came to know Jesus Christ, that would be far worse than even what I walked through. And I'm not diminishing the life of my child. You know, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. We are to uphold the sanctity of human life. We should long that no babies are killed. Um, and that no innocent blood is shed, but we should also realize that God sent his son into the world to shed his innocent blood to bring forgiveness and hope and healing to men and women and families. And I think when we think of the abortion issue, sometimes we think that if a woman chooses to give life to a baby, that's the ultimate win. And then sometimes as the church, we disappear. But the ultimate win is not just for her to give birth to a child. But for her to have an encounter with Jesus and for her life to be radically transformed, why? So that she has eternal life and knows God as her father, and he can walk with her through the midst of this, and a church can come alongside of her to be a community in which she can live out the reality of this. But what happens when a, when a mom and a dad meet Jesus is they begin to now bring up a child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I think sometimes we, we just think of the issue and children are being born, and they're being born into sinful situations, and there's generations of sin cycles that continue, and Jesus wants to break that. Jesus wants to have families that are now living a new legacy because the gospel has invaded their existence, and that's what God has done for me. He's taken a man who didn't know how to be a father, came from generations of men that um, lived in adultery and sexual immorality and abandoned their children, and the gospel got a hold of my heart, and now God has transformed the, the next generation because now I know him, and I'm raising my kids in the fear and in the instruction of the Lord. And so the gospel is critical to what God wants to do because he wants people to experience real life, to know the Creator, to walk with him. And um, so it becomes, I think, the greatest thing. And, and so, yeah, we do speak up for the preborn babies. Let's not forget the gospel because it can transform families, transform our communities, and, um, you know, make abortion unthinkable um, for, for those who at one time may have thought 
that it was the best option for them because he changes us completely um, by his grace. Amen. Speaking with David Williams about keeping the the main thing, the main thing. And what you've just done is, is just pointed us right back to what God has asked us to do on the earth. And sometimes we can get so busy working for him and all these other areas that are great, but the best is telling people about him. And that's what you're reestablishing for us today. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And, you know, David, as we're wrapping up our time here together and uh, you speak so eloquently about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that's available to us and the grace that's afforded us, even if we have maybe had abortion in our past, there's somebody listening today that has gone through it and is still struggling with that decision. Uh, what would you say to them uh, to point them towards the grace available to them in Christ? Yeah, I, I want you to know that uh, abortion isn't an unpardonable sin. Um, that, as I said before, Jesus, God sent Jesus into the world, um, and he didn't come into the world to condemn us for the things that we've done. Uh, We were already condemned because we were living separated from God, but he came, he sent Jesus into the world to save us, to rescue us, um, to show us his love, um, to forgive us for whatever we've done, uh, to bring deep healing to those areas that we want to hide away and not let anyone know God wants to come into those areas, shine his light, um, remind us of the fact that he has a purpose and a plan for us, and that God wants to uh, do something new in our life. And and today his arms are open wide, and he's calling you to come, and he's inviting you. Um, Jesus came, and he he died for you because God loves you, and God can't uh, stand to be away from you, and he wants you to know him as your father. He wants you to know that he loves you. And he wants you to know that in spite of what you've done. I, I, there's a scripture that says that God has loved us with an everlasting love. That means God knows everything about us. He, he, he knew all about the abortion. He, 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 he knows all about where, where you are now and the things you'll do in the past. But he loves us with an everlasting love. And there's nothing that we've done that can stop us from that love. And God is inviting us to, to know that love and to experience that love. And we can only do that by coming to Jesus. And so I would say today to come to him, um, to invite him into that, to ask him to forgive you, um, to ask him to to bring healing to you, to ask him to lead you, to now walk and to live in a way that is pleasing to him by the power that he gives through his spirit. Jesus is there for you. um, And he, he is waiting for you to come to him.